Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's absolutely right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we have decided to make this here episode a drinking game. Was that, was that a silent bottle yeah, it was opener? a silent <laughs> bottle opener, John. Hopefully, Anytime, they, hopefully Mike picked it up. We try to keep it positive, people, and to keep us accountable. Anytime we say something negative or stupid or mean-spirited about this here film or any other film or each other's face, you're going to hear this sound. And that sound <laughs> means that we need to take a drink. And we hope you at home drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass and then come out the back and get us out of the doghouse because we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Oh, oh my oh. gosh, we're drinking alone on Valentine's Day. The boys How are sweet. in the doghouse. The boys are <laughs> People. Sorry, ladies. Sorry to all of our significant Sorry, others. Sorry, significant others. Oh, um, good. You knew we, what this was. So we here on Valentine's Day are recording a podcast about Nightmare Alley, directed by Guillermo del Toro. A movie that redefines what I thought the word geek meant. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, there's is, definitely more than one meaning to that. Yeah. <laughs> on a podcast oh where we God. test whether or not we can get Dave to get the shut eye. Trying to get Dave the old shut eye so he can go all white rabbit on us. We are talking about Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, which we have to say last week was nominated for the Academy Award for Best picture of the year possibly helped by the fact that there are like 75 films nominated for best picture sorry it's just 10 but best picture nominee nightmare alley we're talking about it right here and if you are new to this podcast and you're like whoa how did i start this podcast not only are we going to be spoiler free for 10 or 15 minutes or so so we can tell you what we thought of the film and perhaps recommend whether or not you go see it but as of this moment this is one of the only films I've ever seen available for free on two different streaming pat- yeah. platforms two months after it came out. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know if Hulu and HBO Max like didn't talk to each other. Were their deals non-exclusive? Are they in a threesome? Like I don't understand why Disney and HBO, yeah. who are fierce fucking competitors right now, allowed that to happen. But it is great for us. And that's all that really matters, right? I mean, they, they probably just went, holy fuck, we released it the same weekend as Spider-Man. We only made $9 million. We need to get this out to as many people as possible. That's, yeah, so this definitely, also the Omicron um, surge that also I don't tanked. really know if you can blame that considering the sheer numbers that went and saw Spider-Man that same weekend. I think people were willing to get Omicron for Spider-Man. <laughs> And not West Side Story, oh, we should start Liquor's a Pizza, Belfast, uh, actually any, literally any other movie that came out in December. I think they I mean, all I was, I, I looked into it because I was like, did somebody fuck up? Did they do this on, on like by the accident? And this was originally supposed to be a limited release released on December 3rd. And right. Disney apparently had such faith in the movie that they went, no, we'll put it on December 17th in a wide release. Yeah, they're the same I, weekend the Spider-Man opens. Yeah, I always thought they would do I don't get that. I always thought they would do the premiere right before the release so that at least even if it's a limited release just so that you can get some momentum and not that people pay attention to that kind of shit anymore but this premiered on December 1st and then it came out December 17th. I've seen posters for this all over New York City for like 3 months. I, I couldn't have guessed when this came out. I, I was driving and I saw it come out in January somewhere else. So anyway, this was a bomb at the box office. <laughs> its 60 million dollar budget became a 30 million dollar loss. 
until two streaming services might have made up the difference. Who knows? This, of course, stars Bradley Cooper, who helped produce the film. Help producer. He was the lead producer on the film. Bradley Cooper cast himself. He knew exactly where to go for talent. And then you have Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> Tony Collette. You know exactly where to go to talent. <laughs> oh, nice. Thanks. Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenburgen. Hello. Have you heard of these people? Tim Blake Nelson, who I was waiting for for well over two hours for him to make his appearance in this movie. And of course, well, I already said her, but Guillermo del Toro and Bradley Cooper are not stupid. They have a quote-unquote horror movie. I put quotes up for reasons. A quote-unquote horror movie in which they need somebody to mourn their dead husband. So what do they do? They cast Tony Collette. What else would you do? We need somebody to mourn yeah. the loss of a husband. Is like Tony Collette available? Tony we have Collette's money to real. spend. <laughs> that is her. <laughs> so, so funny. Um, and this She's is a based- Black Widow of film. This is, well, actually, I usually send it over to our sponsors, but I'm feeling it, guys. I'm feeling it here. So this is based on the 1946 novel of the same name, which was adapted into the 1947 film of the same name, which I should say right off the bat, since this was in the New York Times article about Nightmare Alley, the director, Edmund Golding, really loved to host bisexual orgies. That was in the New York Times Description of this. I'm not buzzing. And so that. there you go. Tyrone Power. Maybe he, he. Maybe that's where he got cast. Who the fuck knows? We'll never know. 1947. <laughs> and before we say anything else about it, John, you want to shout our people out? Shout out our sponsors. Sure. The poor people who sure. tuned in are like, yeah, there's no spoilers, but fucking hell, it got weird in the first five minutes. <laughs> it did get weird. You know what? The movie's weird, so we'll get there in a little bit. Uh, we have a couple sponsors. Uh, the first one is Carlos Barroso. He makes the beer. We used to drink it. I don't drink it ever anymore, and I'm very sad about it, but Dave and Jeff do sometimes. If you yes. want to go and follow yep. him, the guy is on Instagram, cbarozo.beer, C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-E-E-R. There's a dot B-E-E-R in there somewhere. Dot beer, folks. And if you're digging the music on this episode and every single fucking episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-M. Head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist and you can download the music for free. So do it. Make your life better. Download that music and enjoy yourself. Um, do you hear my dog? No. Do you hear my dog? <laughs> no, <laughs> so I you didn't hear, hear the dog. <laughs> okay. Oh, you can? Dogs are she's welcome. Like, yeah, she's, she, she has we're opinions about... Yeah. About Guillermo We're, del Toro's most recent feature. Is, is, she, is, she, a medi- is she a medium? I'm thinking, I'm feeling a J. This movie really ruined it for mediums, right? They totally gave away all the secrets. I, I don't know. I, I feel like some of those were already out there. I don't know. I feel bad. Now, mentalism, like I'm never going to be able to buy it from now on, you know? Um, Look, I, uh, where, where do we begin, you guys? Do you want to just hit it with some first impressions? I feel like you set it up really well. I think, I think most do you people, think sadly, have still not seen this movie. Yeah, so I really true. do think we're probably talking to an audience that mostly has not seen it. And you know what? We hadn't seen it yet either. So I think I yeah, watched I mean, it two weeks ago and told you guys. And I, if I'm being honest, you guys, I watched it because I thought we were doing it two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I, it what? was one of those that I wanted to watch eventually. And I just you didn't weren't even around two weeks ago. <laughs> you didn't even do that episode. Week, I watched it two weeks ago because I thought we were doing it last week. Oh, so, right, well, right? Great. so I'm just saying it's one of those movies that like a lot of these like you said, Jeff, a lot of these movies that could wait to watch at home kind of thing, you know, I think a lot of us are guilty of just putting it on the back burner and not really getting to it. True. Especially when you're flicking through stuff and you're like, oh, two and a half hours. Who the fuck has that right now? Uh, you know, you got to say it. You got to say it. It's the truth. 
Is it a long runtime? Dude, it's it is two and a half solid two and a half 30, hours. Dude, you're yeah. two and a half. Right. Not that uh well anyway, let's hit it. I wanna I'm gonna pimp you out, Jeff. You never go first. What was your first impression, dude? So first thoughts. I went in with mixed feelings about it because uh one co-host of mine <laughs> had mixed feelings about it. So I was like, all right, well, you know. Here's what here's what I'll say right off the bat. I I did like it. I I'm not gonna say it was too long. But the movie really, like, the best parts of the movie start right around an hour 45. So I'm so sorry to, I'm really sorry to, like, lead with that for our people listening. That was the best avoidance of a buzzer I think I've ever heard on this show. Did I avoid it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I you mean, know what? I, uh, I, I'd be happy for people to go see this movie. But here, here's what I will say really quick. I think the title threw me. Um, and I know it's based on a, a book and um, another film. And I had actually already heard this Tim Blake Nelson interviewing Guillermo del Toro about the film. Mm. And I actually listened to it and it didn't really spoil much, I guess, because the movie kind of works in a circle, which we'll get to after the spoiler section. But um, I they were talking about they were like redefining what a noir was, or at least Guillermo del Toro is like a noir. A noir just means that time period in black and white with voiceover. It's a style, but it's not like it doesn't have to be just like an urban cop. You know, like there is a lot of crossover and also fatalism. Right. And so but nightmare. I was waiting for more nightmare stuff. So I was like, it's not really a thriller. It's not horror. It's not that scary for like a while into it. You know, it's creepy, but I it took me a while to kind of settle into like the mood and the tone of this. And then when it did, it dragged a little bit. But I think ultimately I'm really glad about it. And I have been thinking about it, but it was a little bit of a journey. That's how I'll start. Did you feel that way? And then I want to and then we'll move on to Dave. But. Did you feel that way after they said, I don't know when that happens, but whenever he's explaining, uh, whenever Willem Dafoe is explaining something we'll get to in the spoiler section and he references Nightmare Alley, that happens about 30 or 40 minutes in. It's probably like still kind of thinking maybe this movie will bring that in sooner. Or Because at that point I was like, ah, okay, I think this is a title in the distance of the meaning of the movie kind of thing. Like it's probably going to wind up in, in that world at some point. So I kind of let it go when I got there, but it still took 30 or 40 minutes for them to have that conversation. I'm not saying I'm watching it being like, where's the nightmare? But it was just kind of like, it was just kind of like a carny flick. And also I like Bradley Cooper, all the, 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 the blurbs are like, you know, guy down on his luck joins the circus. And I was like, I never really doubted Bradley Cooper at the beginning. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I always assumed he was going to succeed. You know, now I know there's a lot more to that, but like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't watching this nervously. I wasn't watching this afraid like I did with Pan's Labyrinth and um, even the fish fucking movie. There were some times in there I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. The Shape of Water, people. The only movie to win the Oscar when someone fucks a fish. And I think like, <laughs> I. It's a very niche category. <laughs> so I, I, the, I mean, the, he's, only, the, he's, the only other one really is Splash. And that ain't winning shit. Said, it's Splash didn't win the Oscar. <laughs> Um, so anyway, it, 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 it didn't keep me on my toes, but I was, I was intrigued by it and the cast, the cast, the way it looked like, obviously it was great. And maybe I will rewatch it when I have two and a half hours and nothing else to watch, but we'll see. Anyway, enough about me. What do you, what do you guys think? <laughs> Dave. Oh my God. I mean, it's good though. People should see it. It's, you know, well, I'll, yeah. I'll start this off with. I, this is not a horror film. 
and they they build it as a horror film and it's not it it has a, a sense of burning tension and it, it's almost like a thriller it reminded me a lot in pacing and of like la confidential yeah yeah um especially in style as well um i there's a lot of stuff i love about this does it deserve a best picture nomination i will say absolutely up front yes it does nice there you go yes it does because this is a major technical achievement in creating a motion picture is it flat ass boring at times it's that too yes buzzed himself there folks i didn't my finger <laughs> yeah. was going for it he had already done it yeah sure. i got the quick draw buzzer tonight I'll yeah it, it just it takes it takes so long to get to something like i feel like the first hour of this like the carnival stuff do you feel like that would have worked better as a as flashbacks interspersed through the story mm. or was it better for the journey to just make it make you sit through all that so that when we got to because I, I felt really disjointed when they jumped which we'll, we'll get to later Knowing knowing what Guillermo wanted to do, I don't think it would have worked as flashbacks because it is supposed yeah. to be a, it's supposed to be a circle. Not that I know anything. I just listening to one interview. I don't know who he is or what he wants and, you know, why he likes to fuck fish. But like, I just think that, that he wants the movie to be a circle. So I don't think it would work as flashbacks. But I I'm kind of with you where I'm, I'm very curious mm. as to what that would have. I mean, like. I'll tell you, though, if you if you love like scene composition and cinematography, like there is love in every frame of this. Yeah. This is a movie to watch. The, the palette, color. like the color palette, is yeah. amazing. Like every red is a very similar, or same, the same red. The brown green thing really worked for me. Like it, it normally, like if you if you're not going to go black and white, brown and green is the next best thing. I've now discovered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. What do no, you think? Also, it oh, is. Sorry, it Dave. would be the highlight of my career to be punched out by Ron Perlman. Can I just say? Right. I know. Yeah, that was the, yeah. yeah that, was, that was really sweet. Just having I, some of the casting choices in general were really fun. Ron was one of them for sure. Yeah. This was Ron's idea in 1993, I think. Guillermo said Ron was the one who said Nightmare Alley is a thing you should see. There's a book and it's noir. You like noirs, um, and they couldn't get it because it was on VHS and it just like was not around. So like Guillermo like spent years. Mm. He read the book first because he couldn't get the movie. But anyway, long story short, Ron Perlman was like, I want to be the Bradley Cooper role. Role. Little did he know what his future would be, but <laughs> he wow. got to punch him instead. Yeah. Sorry. Jeff. He was still working in France then. Um, yeah, I agree with what you both have said. Definitely for the way it looks and feels um, tonally, cinematographically, production design. If you are a sucker for circus movies, you know, this is one of them for sure. Uh, I think you're just going to enjoy living in that world. The world's fleshed out. There's a lot of faces that you really, really, really recognize. And I kind of wish yeah. I didn't mm. recognize so many people. Like, I think it may have been a little bit more fun to not see Willem Dafoe. And I, you know, I hear myself saying that. I yeah, can't believe so, I'm saying that. I just so don't know if though. I needed to see a giant, well-known actor. And honestly, in most of these roles, I think, I think there's, I think that's, that was something that was a little distracting for me was that I'll fight I kept you for thinking, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I mean, of course, dude. Like Kate yeah. is, but but even we'll, we'll get given, there a little given, bit later. Yeah, given where that goes, Willem Dafoe probably. Yeah, you could have. And I would imagine that's what you're Not saying is like when we. At all. No, 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 mm. no. They're, of mm. course, they're all great. Um, so as many things that I really enjoyed about the way this film felt, and anyone who listens to this podcast and these two dudes will probably know that like that is probably the most important thing to me. Like tone is and mood are going to, and an ending are going to be what I love the most. We'll get to that later. Uh, 
<laughs> the thing that was that did not work for me for this film was, which I would say exists in really successful noirs. And that's why noir is, I, th- I think, such a difficult genre to play as an actor, to direct, to write. If you don't have an overwhelming sense of urgency that is driving your protagonist to more doubt, it feels a little, a little boilery where you're kind of just sitting there in that space of the tone, but there isn't mm. enough momentum to take you into more skepticism and, and uh, like doubt for, for every meeting that he has, every scene that That's, unfolds, yeah. you should be a little bit more on the edge of your seat. And if I'm being totally honest, I just, I think it may be in the edit. I just don't think they cut this to have enough urgency. I think the work was there. I think they looked great. I think the writing was probably there. I would love to have just sat down with them in the editing room and just been like, I'm just curious. Why did you hang on that moment so long? Why did you hang on that reaction so long? Maybe not reaction, because you, you want reactions for good noir cutting. But overwhelmingly, there was a lack of urgency in my mind, except for when Richard Jenkins was on the screen. I, and I think that that's yeah. just, that man just understood how what to do. I think they cut correctly around him. And a lot of those moments with him were the only times that I felt uncomfortable. Now, again, that's in the writing. They want you to feel that way. He's the big boss, right? We were coming to that point. We didn't know what he was capable of. We eventually learned he was capable of really terrible things. So you're always a little nervous when you're around him. But for a protagonist in a noir, Bradley Cooper's character felt a little too in control for me throughout. And I think that's very important in this genre that your your protagonist should be very confused and more and more and more out of control mm. the deeper they get yeah. into their saga. And I just I agree. He he got he got too good too fast. Like there was no passage of time versus like how fast he picked up on the the talent like that he it acquired. Just, he built that and, he built that um machine that he built, you know, that he designed for Rudy Mara. He built that in like Two days. <laughs> also, yeah, can and I they just even say, comments on it, right? They're like, Did you, he's like, no, that's all bullshit. But he's still built. Can it. I, can yeah. I also <laughs> say, big fan of Rooney Mara's work in everything, and this everything. is no exception. Everything. Yeah, this everything. is no Absolutely. exception at all. She's she's so grounded, and yeah, you you really feel for which we'll get to later. All right. So before we send people away and we really dive into this, let's. What is a lot of we'll get to it later. Yeah. So what what is the pitch to recommend this to people? So I was like, if you have to, I'm I'm kind of joking, but like, I am really glad I saw this, but I also find it. My parents asked to watch a movie, and I'd already seen this, and I didn't recommend this. Like, why? What What does it take? Like, what What is it to recommend this movie? Because it's great. Is it just like if you want to watch a brilliant piece of filmmaking where the director loves every frame of this movie? I don't watch know, it man. tonight. Honestly, <laughs> watch it tonight. Make out in the slow bits. <laughs> I'll tell that to my parents, Dave. I'll tell that to my parents. Yeah, if you enjoy, happy yeah, Valentine's yeah. Day, mom. Happy V Day, everybody. We're in the doghouse. Uh, if you like the period, sure, you're probably gonna. Enjoy, it's it's beautiful. It's sensuous. You really feel like you're you're there in a lot of ways. If you like the circus, you're there. If you like detective stories, just in general, I wouldn't say this is a traditional detective story, but there is no. a, a mysterious element that belongs in that noir place. So maybe you'll cling on to that. But if someone were to tell me, if someone, if I'm just being honest here, if somebody were to say, John, I'm looking for a good noir or John, I'm looking for a really good movie from this year. I don't know if this would be in my top list of suggestions. Uh, I don't think it would be off the list, but I think there are movies that I would recommend over this one. If somebody was saying, I never watch movies. I've got a free night. What do you think? Don't know if Nightmare Alley is going to be at the top of my list. 
this is billed as noir and you see either a detective or the police like once in the entire film. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It's he was missing like, a whole side he of was what like, is it's, normal. It's just the time period and there's fatalism. That's it. Everything else he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a play on the noir. But yeah, but you're right because he did shoot it like it would be terrifying. Like we'd be. Yeah, I guess I guess. Do you think Bradley? I know we should be sending people away, but really quick. Do you think Bradley Cooper is the lead? Because every all the supporting characters were phenomenal. He's the centerpiece, and everybody's off center in some way, like you know, kind of with a magnet towards him. So I think it is shot pretty well with that like first person point of view, pretty well. Also, Guillermo mentioned like he doesn't want to shoot Bradley Cooper's face until he's pretending to be successful. So you can kind of you almost don't buy it because like at the beginning you don't his first line you doesn't see you don't see his face. He's in mirrors as much as possible, like. I, I don't know if that ultimately did anything psychologically for me, but he is the lead of this movie mm. and there's, he definitely was going in the, I'm keeping a secret. Like you did the actor's secret thing the whole time, but you're right. I wonder if like the life and death, like there, I wonder if we felt that more. I wonder, I wonder if we would have felt differently about the film. Mm. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's kick these people out of here. Come, right. come back and see us and listen to the rest of the spoilers. Cause it's, it's Guillermo. Just watch the movie for Guillermo. Just yeah. I mean, it. yeah, I hope everyone remembers who listens. I love Guillermo del Toro. Like, I don't want to sound like I was being negative here. So, so give it a shot. If you like Guillermo, I still think it's worth watching. Um, I just think I wouldn't be surprised if you felt like I did, but, uh, that's still not a good enough excuse not to see it. And especially if it's hey. fucking free on Hulu and HBO. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Pop some popcorn. And nominated for best picture. Like that's, that's an achievement. Great yeah. cast. And there's like really good, seven really massive yeah. stars in this that do really good work. So if you love acting yeah. too, you're going to enjoy watching these people play this genre. You haven't, I don't think I've seen most of them play in this genre. So that was really fun. Willem has been dancing around this. He, he's accepted that this is who he is. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is sort of like a cross between the lighthouse. Let's and kick this off. Let me kick this off. My standout performance. And then I want to hear y'all's David fucking Stratham. I loved him in this movie dude i don't know if you yeah. guys agreed but of course, I, I mean of course. i wanted mm-hmm. i almost wanted to flash back into his prime i think his his character was my favorite just talking about how we get there developing the trick the the method whatever the word he used for their their code that they spoke to each other on to create the whole mentalist act I thought that was really fascinating and the character was so integral because david stratham's character plants the notion that is the rest of the movie. Do not do the evil mentalism. Don't tell yeah. people that you're messing with actual fortune telling. Don't don't do it. You're going to start believing in yourself. And I thought he really pulled off the monologue. That's, yeah, that it, was great. I mean, that I thought actually, that whole scene like, that really was a worked huge for him. Steaming pile of foreboding, and he nailed it. And it, it really, so yeah. it, it yeah. really, it really made Bradley Cooper's performance better later on. And I, I don't say like Bradley Cooper was great because he played to the scripts. I'm saying David Strathairn was so good that when Bradley Cooper started doing all of the things, it was so easy to make that connection. Like, oh yeah, fuck, he said that. Like, he just he sold it. He sold it. He, he did his job. And I don't know how hmm. bound uh, I haven't seen the movie even and i definitely haven't read the novel the the original movie so you know maybe i'm wrong by saying this but i think we can all agree and everyone out there in the fun film film fan world could agree everybody involved with this project knows how to make excellent movies so it's kind of i kind of feel like we're we're mostly going to be dissecting the writing just because there's if something isn't working with these geniuses everybody here is a fucking 10 then there's probably an issue with story and i think one thing that that I began to think about, which is always a bad sign when you get really conscious. I was really on board with what was happening in this film up until David Stratham planted that seed. And then I kind of started, I couldn't stop thinking that Bradley Cooper 
Bradley Cooper's character didn't think about it ever again. There were a couple times where he was reminded of it by other characters that they were uncomfortable that he was going that route. And I understand, I guess, dramaturgically why you might, why a protagonist might be in total denial and they're going to go balls to the wall and just go 100% until it's way too late. But I kind of, I think, I still think that there may have been something really full of conflict if he had also listened to David Stratham very seriously and would have been scared of his success and would have had a a fear factor in an internal thing because I felt like internally he had no yeah. conflict about it. I I feel like they half leaned into that to be honest. Like they said they they planted the seed and then it just literally um within 20 minutes it cut to him doing exactly what he told him not to do essentially and it, it there was no easing into it it's like okay we're here now we're here and he's just done this thing and he's done it with like he basically did what he was told not to do and it worked out so now he's all arrogant about it and that was yeah. like it kind of made that speech a little a little cheap for me i have a question about the very beginning um because the like the movie starts with him him dragging a body across the floor and putting it in a hole in the floor and then burning the house down why did he put that body in a hole if he was going to burn the house down? I thought that too. I'm buzzing you, but I thought that too. <laughs> I buzzed myself yeah. too. I thought that too. I, yeah, was that, that like a me. That bugged fiery me for like, grave kind of thing? I will say, I, it, I, sorry, I feel bad when I, I listen to podcasts and then like I quote the directors when I'm saying something not entirely positive, but he did essentially say, because he worked on the script with his now wife, Kim Morgan, although when they started developing hmm. it, they had, they were business, I forget their exact professional relationship, uh, but now they're married. And He's, he essentially was like, you don't want to trust him right off the bat. So it's kind of like the Willy Wonka thing, right? Like you, you want to know right off the bat that he's a liar. He's a liar, which I didn't actually get off the bat. I just kind of got like, he had some shit in his past, but he was like, I want you to know that he's a liar from the beginning because we believe his morality until we see it turn, but we shouldn't have in the first place. And I, I'm kind of with you now, Dave, because, um, cause then it gets you into things like that, where I, I know that's not how we should be watching the movie, but sometimes you can't help yourself and go, huh? Did they just do that to be clever? And I, I, he might have done that to be clever. Maybe. Also, yeah. just visual effects-wise, maybe it would have looked different on a large screen, but I, was, I didn't think that house was burning for one second. That fire looked very, very CGI fire to me. So as, as beautiful as the actual production design was of this film, that was one of the biggest special effects, and I didn't believe one moment of it. Was it a dream thing? Like, I, I'm so curious about so much no, no. of this. No, <laughs> no, no yeah, that, was, that was for real. No, it, it, it was, was real, but, but did they film yeah. it like a nightmare? Did they film it like it was a flashback or something? Like, is that why it was bizarre and slow paced, almost as if they shot it mm. in like a weird frame rate or something? I, I don't know. It's curious. Did you guys also mm. think about going off that question? Did you also think like, where's the voiceover? Like the part of it, because it's such he a cut staple because he, did, he didn't because he, he intentionally just said he noirs are voiceover, so it. therefore no, yeah. Sometimes I wonder in really good noirs if that's there's a reason why that we're supposed to have some doubt of our inner of our character, but he, like but the, he the thinks, person telling yeah, exactly. us the story. We're not supposed to trust them, mm. and I felt like there was such a a sincerity behind the camera that I was. I was a little, I don't know. Again, I just kind of, I kept thinking about the ingredients of the genre, which is not a, which is not a good thing. Um, the, the performances were captivating, but there were, it did make me wonder like, what, what kind of movie is this? Like, I just kept trying to, trying to understand what they were I mean, doing. One of the most famous noirs, Blade Runner, cut the voiceover and it seemed to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's true. That's true. And that's and that's like a total like neo noir and mm. meets sci fi. And you're right. You're right. I think everyone agrees the two I I versions just saying, of Blade Runner. Is we, we start right. at, we yeah. start asking questions that we shouldn't ask, and whether that's fair or not, that's just like what ha- <laughs> that's just what happens. Like you can't help it. Yeah. I mean, the, I, it's almost like yeah, they set him up to be bad at the beginning, and then they give him this little moment of triumph, and then he like he fucks that up it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like breaking bad like every season of breaking bad you got walter like white starts starts off as like he's bad and then he starts doing some stuff where you're like oh he might redeem himself he might get out of this time and he just fucks it up every time and Hmm. goes right back down the rabbit hole and it kind of reminded me of that sort of thing but this guy like it never really got to the point where except for maybe once where you were like cheering for him I don't know. He never he never climbed out of sleazebag villain for me. What, what Which honestly, I kind of s- don't. I kind of don't want noir protagonists to to necessarily do that. But you can't sit. Mm. You can't sit in that place where I think I understand you. If we're going to keep yeah. you in that place where we're unsure of your capacity for evil, violence, virtue, and you're kind of all over the place, you have to keep me guessing. And I guess I mm. kind of felt like. There also kind of has to be a standard. Like you got to you got to have a benchmark there somewhere. There has to be a character who's the benchmark. And apart from maybe Rooney Mara's character, there wasn't one. The benchmark of morality or virtue. Yeah, pretty much. I wish they let Rooney Mara be more of um, more of an equal share of the the that central line. I wish he got in there a little bit more. They kind of and I know that what it does to the character, just saying it out loud, like Bradley Cooper essentially like shut her in their apartment. Like we only saw her either at the show or in their home. For, you know, they didn't like go out together. It was always Bradley Cooper that we followed. I kind of wish she was a part. I, I wish I'm not saying they had to be in love or anything, but I do wish maybe mm-hmm. she could have had an in, had an effect. But I guess as soon as she stepped aside, we got some Kate Blanchett, so they severed that. But I, I don't know. No, I feel like she was meant to feel thrown away at this point. Yeah. Um, and then of course, yeah, Kate Blanchett comes waltzing on screen, and like the first time you see her, you got that like the god rays of light and stuff, and it was like the perfect way to reveal that character, to be honest. And that that wasn't a special effect either. Kate has a light that follows around like that. (laughs) (laughs) Her and Tony Collette actually should play sisters in a movie. They look so much like each other. I'm looking at their pictures on IMDb right now. I'm trying to think as that happened. Yeah, Kate was very good. Um, Was that the part? uh, I'm curious, Jeff, which one of you said it got good like an hour 40 in? For me, it was, was that- and I'm exaggerating because there was very interesting stuff. I know interesting is like a non-description, but there was really curious. There were, there were things that were keeping me curious, especially the carnival stuff, especially the characters. I feel like all of the characters really were helpful to, for me. You know, like everything Willem Dafoe said kept me more engaged. Mm. There wasn't a single scene that he had where I was kind of like, Oh, they're just having coffee and talking about shit. Like every time I saw him and of course the way he does it so casually, I, it's like, and captivating. So then when the geek stuff comes back later, I'm like, Oh, like, I, and I know that's so it's almost so obvious. That's why I love the actor. Cause for me, I was just like, all right, well, whatever you say. And then later they're like, Oh yeah, I should have seen that foreshadowing, but all I cared about was Willem. Cause he was so good. <laughs> and of course, Tony Collette, same thing with, I, I hate tarot. And just for some reason, it's not something I connect with, but her, I was like, she just hit the sweet spot. Everybody down the line. I thought I was definitely kept, but basically right before the Mary Steenberg and gunshot scene, which was, that was the one where I was like, Whoa! That, was a, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. So like the, 
couple minutes leading into that where you realize he's going to meet the old man. Because honestly, at that point, I was like, I hope he fucks this up because I'm ready for like, <laughs> he's either got to nail it or fuck it up. I'm ready for like, yes or no, like life or death stakes. Not like, oh, he's getting yeah, better. I was, I, was, I was sitting there going, no, this is fucking going wrong. This is going horribly wrong. So right around there till the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, to pretty much the end of the movie. That's That was like the feeling that I was hoping I would get out of the movie. And I got it. Just I just had to wait for it a little bit longer. The, I think the thing I like the most of Kate Blanchett's performance is when she she was playing almost like like it was a little bit of a psychiatrist thing and then she yeah. she kind of st- started turning the screws on him a bit and she was like you have to sit through these therapy sessions and she went from the dame in a detective noir to quid pro quo Hannibal Lecter in like the fucking blink of an eye I want to see her them, preparation so fatale. bad <laughs> Folks Kate we Blanchett's just had a weird face, dropout huh? Kate Blanchett's face that's where we're picking up Let's just pause for just one second cuz our weird recording our recording issue yeah, Kate Blanchett's face was so, so severe, it stopped our recording. I mean, as soon as we talked about Kate Blanchett, the system just went like, it was like a fucking fembot exploding or something. That's why we're saying Kate Blanchett as much as possible. We're just doing a little stress test on the system. <laughs> <laughs> I think so we're Dave, back. So, so Dave, you were praising Kate Blanchett. I was. Sounds cool. Yeah, um, I, it was just the, like I said, the performance where she went from, like, I might be just innocent to... I'm going to fucking eat you in the space of like half a second. You literally saw her face change. She knew that we were going to assume the worst. I was going to say, I don't think, I don't think I ever assumed that Kate Blanchett is totally innocent. That woman Oh no, I'm not saying that at all. She's lived. When you, when you, when you saw the claws, (laughs) like the claws dig in was the moment that I loved in that whole performance. Like even better than the, bigger than the reveal. You literally saw her like lean in and her, like she almost became shark. Like the final one she does. Yeah, I love that it ends with her in, <clears throat> in total control. Uh, but again, just to clarify, Jeff, that's the moment you're talking about, right? When she stands up at the show and that's when it really turned for you, like when we jumped to the forward part and Bradley Cooper was, and Rooney are running their show. I think that's what Dave said. I think he said once Cape Blanchett came in, um, it sent the movie Dave, off to another. For Dave, me, it was, a little, bit, it was a little bit later. For mm-hmm. me, I think it would have been really interesting if they had talked considered restructuring this so that the movie took place in the present with some kind of flashbacks or references to to how they got there and created a little bit more mystery in the past so that the mystery of the prophecy by David Stratham would not have been a proclamation. It would have been some prophecy or something mm. that we don't talk about anymore. You, you, you know, we don't think about yeah. that. Like they could have used it as some way to propel them for it as opposed to honestly it was just something that felt ignored well that felt that ignored whole <laughs> that whole section where it cuts to him in the ballroom after they they run away from the circus um that felt really jarring to me and i spent about 10 minutes recovering from it because like from a film perspective because they literally just went from we're going to run away to now we're famous and uh, and performing for the rich and i would have liked even a montage in there just to show him climbing the ranks a little bit it just felt really jarring from a narrative point. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. That pulled me I'm out. I'm just sitting here, guys, I'm just sitting here hitting the brakes. I'm just waiting for us to to move forward toward the ending. But I think I'm just <laughs> going to rip the Band-Aid off. Do it. That, that last moment did not work for me at all. I feel like the whole final sequence, if we were, again, Jeff already said it, like, there's clearly some foreshadowing. So I'm not I'm not frustrated that the foreshadowing was was uh intentionally indicative. 
where, by the way, I looked up the definition for geek. And the second definition in the dictionary, Webster's, is a performer at a carnival or circus whose show consists of bizarre or grotesque acts. So, yeah, like you, I had no idea that that was a thing. But hmm. the, oh, the movie was so effective with the way it opens with Bradley Cooper observing the act by the yeah. geek. And then at some point, 20 minutes later or so, Willem Dafoe, the ringleader of that, of that particular carnival, explains to him how you find a geek. And that's a really engaging story about yeah. how he takes usually uh, right. veterans, yeah. usually people who had enormous amounts of PS- PTSD before they knew what that was. They were severe alcoholics. He gets them addicted to drugs, usually opium, and then he's got them. Then he can turn them into these Isn't monsters who are willing to do that, until they die. I mean, die. I'm glad they spent so much time on that because like, that did make it resonate a little bit when you realized like, it, it wasn't so much us realizing what was happening to him. It was him realizing what was happening to him. And that got me a little bit. Okay, but, like the, the, but at the ending, but at the ending, I feel like, are you saying the ending got you when Bradley Cooper just, started just turning? a little bit, like just a little bit when he realized that like, uh, we, like we had a shared realization that he was getting the spiel. This was where he was heading. That got me a little bit, but again, yeah, I like the laugh. Cause he was like, yeah, of course I'm here. And you know what? I think he earned it enough. I, I mean, it's the it. only place he could have ended not, up, to be honest. I mean, I, or, no, 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 no. I, narratively, I, I narratively, I'm not frustrated. Like that is, it was inevitable. I know this is being really picky, but I wish he had not said, "I've been preparing for this my entire life," or "I've been waiting for this my entire life." I was born life. for this. Yeah, I was born. I was born for this. I feel like they, we already knew. Everyone already knew that thing. I always say about like we, we caught up. We were all there. There was no new information delivered, so we had already passed the button. And then they just said that and. I don't know, especially because for me, I feel like as soon as that that new carnival leader said, you know, I do have something, though. I do have a position, but it's only temporary. Blackout. Like, yeah, as, back- as soon as they got there, we were all, we all assumed you're abs- you're he was going to say right. that. You're absolutely I don't know. right. That would have worked. I think that's film nerdy, too. I think the average theater goer would be like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe. Maybe, maybe cut back yeah. to a reaction. The original of Bradley Blackout's Cooper like the HBO cable shows. Fuck. The original film, the original film had this ending with a different word. I, I was, it wasn't born. It was a different word. And I think the book did not have it. So now there's like this, I think sometimes when you do these old things, does it matter if you have the same last line? You know what I mean? But that's like something that they well, wanted they, to Well, he do. did say that like, this wasn't a remake. It was a reimagining. Yeah. Did you hear that? Too? That's funny. It was like, you don't hmm. remake Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Fair. But yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So you I, liked I it, like, Jeff? Are you saying you you liked the "I was born for this"? Because yeah, I was like, "Where where are we going with this?" And then he got it, and and I, I actually like you know I liked it. I liked it because he got there from a different reason than the other guys. The other guys were actual addicts. So yes, I know Bradley Cooper was drinking alcohol, and I would love to sit there and be like, "It was lame that all of a sudden they got him drinking alcohol just to become a geek." Like in two minutes, he went from "Here's my first scotch in 20 years" to "I'm a geek now because I'm addicted to I'm an addict or whatever," which maybe he was. I, I don't know. Maybe Bradley Cooper was an addict, but he probably wasn't. Maybe it was just his dad. But I liked it that it almost seemed like Bradley Cooper got there because of capitalism, because <laughs> he he he's a guy that should be in jail, and it's like fuck. <laughs> like I was shitting on these people for being down on hard times for being like losers, and me, I'm not necessarily that kind of loser. I like. I'm just, I, I don't know. That was my interpretation of it. That was just what I needed to get me to laugh. I'm not even saying that that's exactly what Bradley Cooper was thinking. But for me, I saw that glimmer in his eye and I was like, oh, he's kind of like, I'd rather be there than in prison and or something. Because this movie's about capitalism. We haven't really talked about that, but it's very much like 
You get sucked in. People are in charge. They can do whatever the fuck they want. They can give you $10,000 to lick their toe for all they care. And then you try and it's noble when you succeed. And then we shit on you when you fail. And it's a circle. The movie's a circle. Capitalism's a circle. Um, so I, I laughed at the end of that, making that little mini connection to myself by myself when I saw this movie. That's what I think. Did Guillermo say that about the capitalism and i know you said the circle thing. actually actually he did it tim blake nelson said it and by the way the more i keep talking about this interview the more i'm reminded by this meme i keep seeing which is david lynch saying they always want you to talk about your movie after you show it but they don't get it the film was the talking yeah and i keep now that i keep talking he's about got a this hard interview. saying that <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does dude <laughs> no no i've just seen i've just seen your film i have fucking questions lynch (laughs) and he's like i gotta go (laughs) he knows the answer to any of that shit uh i mean i do like the idea i do like the idea that if you're gonna lift that theme that you're setting a story about capitalism in a total like in a circus like in the figurative word and literal word um that you're trying to say that like these people too are just consumed by the idea of of being seen and being able to charge money for for being seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's fun to play with. I, I just wish it had been hidden a little bit more in the suspense that is associated with this genre. Yeah, agreed. I think I think there could have been more suspense in the film on the whole. I think. Yeah. That. I mean, there, the there story, was also like certain things. There. There's certain things that happen in the first half that they kind of abandoned as well, like the the storm in the background that was constantly almost following the carnival. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As, and yeah. that sort of like that storm building, and then that just kind of oh, went yeah. away. No, that could have been really fun. That could have yeah, been yeah. It was it. I don't know. It's it, the storm was ever present. Did you notice as well? I just just one thing I forgot to mention earlier about the cinematography. Like every, every even though these scenes are beautifully lit, almost every scene had a working practical in it somewhere be it a torch yeah. or a lamp or like there was always something lit in shot. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was really pretty hmm. or effective is a better word. Um, the out, the out, the outdoor stuff. They had a lot of outdoor stuff and it was all very well lit and colored. It looked, it looked great. Oh yeah. And he really shot outside so that you could get the breathe, the air. You could feel like, dude, I haven't, I haven't seen color control like that since like Tim Burton stopped making movies. And I'll say I'd be really control. I'd be really uh, curious to know <laughs> oh, yeah, how much. <laughs> I mean, God, has he stopped? Is that official? No, 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 no. no. Dave, Dave just wanted me to buzz him. <laughs> um, I didn't, but thanks. <laughs> Dave just wanted to be seen, John. <laughs> he just wanted. To be seen. God damn it! What, what is your thought? What, what is your thought? What, what is it? Okay, so this is Guillermo, though. Like, come on, there's something in there that you watched that you were like, "Yes, Guillermo." I mean, I like the, like I said, I like the way, I like the way it felt and I like the way it looked. I think it's interesting that he leaned in this direction. Who said that to him? Ron Perlman said, I know you like noir. I'm interested because yeah, I wouldn't I love say, noir and I wouldn't say Kronos reasonable. or Devil's Backbone or a lot of his early stuff. I wouldn't say it has noir elements. It has, we've talked about it many, many, many times. It has mysterious, he- fable, ghost story elements. I mean, that might have just been something they discussed on. Yeah, he hadn't made any of these movies. He hadn't made any of these movies at this point. It was the early '90s. I think he literally was. He could have been George R. R. Martin for all that fucking Ron Perlman knew. But like, he loved movies, and these are the movies he loved. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Um. God damn it! What the fuck was I going to say? Did you hear something to do with the fact that? Do you hear the story about like where some of this came from? Like why why his passion for this became 
so hard this about this particular like his, novel. Yeah, because his his father was yeah. kidnapped. What? His father was kidnapped by Mexican gangs, and the first thing that they said to him was, "Watch out for the psychics." And he apparently he went back home, and his mother walked in the living room, and his mother's already sitting there with two of them, and they're like, "Yeah, for a fee, we can tell you where to find your father." And they like had to chase him out of the fucking house. But apparently, Jesus. yeah, he became fascinated with these people that prey on people's like losses and grief. Shit. Damn. Yeah, right? That'll break your brain. That'll get you to the theater. <laughs> I should have said that. I was like, I didn't. That's cool. I mean, it sucks, but it's. Yeah. Mm. I learned something this uh, this week. I won't say who, who develops this information, but I thought it was a fun anecdote. Apparently, Guillermo del Toro, this person who knows Guillermo del Toro, was saying that uh, Guillermo like, writes like pages and pages and pages of like single spaced character biographies. Like, from birth, like this is who they are. This is what happened to them up until you, they, you see them enter this, this story. Is, this is just about people in his own life, right? It's just like everybody he sees. <laughs> I mean, these are just every fucking character he writes, apparently. And he fucking, apparently, he gives these to his actors. <laughs> apparently, Richard Jenkins <laughs> in Shape of Water, apparently, he gave it to Richard Jenkins and it was like, thank you. And he just threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I bought my own. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't uh, they should have they should have a backstory off like after they wrapped they had to like read the backstory and see who got it right <laughs> it's just not necessary um did you guys have any like standout moments that you thought were best performance or most captivating or are there any other like elements i feel like we talked about the story quite a bit but i feel like when rooney myra finally found her power in the car she was mm. like i'll do this for you but i'm done and good, like yeah. it was if that whole thing about I like I knew how much I could take and I've reached that point. Like that whole speech for me was like really good considering she'd been forced to take a back seat to what he was doing the whole time. And I felt like that was a great reclaiming of power for her. So weird and when he like yeah. chased and then he her down and kills the a bunch of fucking people and, yeah. and <laughs> threw her into like yeah. the men's bathroom. I thought that was a whole weird Yeah, that that whole sequence is weird, was, but yeah, that was, great, that was right? weird. Yeah. Yeah, but did you like it that like, like in, you go in this door and then that way is the men's bathroom and you could leave the men's bathroom through a different door and Rooney Mara with the Schindler's List red jacket is just going to just be going through all of this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the production cool. design was was cool. Um, how about you, Jeff? Did you feel any like moments or performances or something we I haven't said yet? You know what I love? I love the sh- any shot of Bradley Cooper smoking a cigarette with that hat on outside. It was almost always at night. I feel like all of those were, were were shot really well. And also, this guy knows how to shoot a hallway. At some point, there were like a couple oh, times. God. Like, yeah, yeah, this every, guy knows how to shoot a hallway. Every single scene in this was like production design to fuck. The, the psychiatrist's yeah. office. Yeah, it was, was cool. Like the wood panels had Rorschach paintings on them. I still couldn't tell you like the, the layout of the Rorschach paintings. No, I'm see, not kidding. You, yeah. you go back and look. They were, they were actual Rorschachs on the wall. I, I do remember the artwork. I, I couldn't tell you the layout of the room. Every time there was a new camera angle, I'd be like, where in the room are we right now? And I think that added to me because I felt like I was in a fun hole. Yeah, it was great. But what about you? Any any shots that uh, that stood out? Probably nothing any, we any, haven't any, said yet. Any moments, I did really, any moments where you said, yeah, they fucking nailed it? I did really enjoy, even though I, I said I agree with you, Dave, it might have been fun to do it through flashbacks and start in present day. I did like 
when Bradley Cooper was basically a mute. I thought it was really interesting when he showed up at the circus and for the first several minutes and scenes, he really didn't talk. And it was just him kind of observing Mm. and the way the, I mean, that's the circus to me, like the lack of definition and identity that's required to be a member of the circus, the the mystery and the mystique that just lives in that world. I thought they were really capturing that. And I was like, I kind of hope he just goes through as a silent observer. I don't know what this movie is about, but I'm kind of hoping some really gross, disgusting shit goes down with Willem Dafoe and these geeks and yeah. some real drama with cops and shit. And I hope Bradley is just kind of there Somebody looking at it. Somebody fucks a fish. Yeah. Somebody fucks a <laughs> fish. Yeah. So I feel bad for Shea Boyer. Shea Boyer is a pretty good movie, but they, cut you, they fucked a fish. Um, I, what's, <laughs> you know what is crazy in hindsight? That Bradley Cooper, knowing the arc of the Bradley Cooper story, I'm pretty sure before he even said a line, somebody bit the head off a chicken in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't know what's going on. I don't know who Bradley Cooper is. I think he burned a house down. He ended up on a train, and then he's at a carnival. I can't tell. Like, I could, he could be anybody. He could be a fucking Rockefeller, for all I know. And then a guy mm. bites the head off a chicken. And I'm like, what is this movie about? And then the, once Bradley Cooper got in there, yeah, it changed things a little bit. You know what he wasn't? A piscosexual. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeff, did Guillermo del Toro say that there was a voiceover and he chose not to use it? No, 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 no. He, he that was early, like in the development. He was like, Noirs have voiceovers. So let's try to not have a, let's try not have a voiceover. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think it would have, because if, if Guillermo wanted him to be a liar and then you believe him and then he comes back to a liar, then he accepts that he's a liar, whatever. Do you, do you think that having the voiceover would be weird for us to follow? Like, if Guillermo doesn't want us to believe him ever, then does it cheapen the voiceover? Do you think some noirs of the past get away with the fact that, like, even though you know it's an untrustworthy narrator, you still are following him. You're on the same page. So it is cool to, like, hear the... It would have been kind of cool to have the, the narrator shift, depending on who has the power. Like, different yeah, characters think- narrating? Yeah. Ooh. I, I want to know. I would love for Rudy Mara to narrate, although in hindsight, it's probably better that she didn't because every time I saw her, yeah, I'd be like, like well, when, anything could happen now. When the power shifts between Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett, it would have been great to see her take over the narrative. Mm, the narration. But yeah, yeah. Could have, would have. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The movie gets I, uh, you thinking. I'm sorry. It gets me thinking. Yeah, it definitely gets you thinking. Um, and it's definitely beautiful to watch. Yeah. It is very I mean, pretty. Yeah. All right. I think if we uh, got everything out of this, we're going to get. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I hope I didn't sound too negative. I, 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 I wanted a little bit more. I don't know if this worked for me. And I, mm. I don't know if I agree with you, Dave, about a Best Picture nominee. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this should have been nominated for a Best Picture. I, mean, I have not seen def- most of the other Best Pictures, though. Definitely from a cinematography directorial standpoint, I would say yes. From a performance standpoint, yes. So that's three categories required like a best picture but um yeah you're, you're right with the editing and also i would say screenplay probably that's down a touch did he write this by himself did he adapt this by he, himself? he co he co-wrote it with kim morgan who is now his wife He's, that's what she said married. yeah all right well yeah i hope it does well i hope everybody checks it out and tells us if we're fucking assholes or if we're yeah. geniuses yeah, well, you're already yeah. paying for it or so geniuses? You may well watch it. please tell us if we're geniuses we yeah. would love to know yeah uh, we'd, we'd be nice to get at least one of those comments <laughs> you'd be the first um <laughs> we'd appreciate it all right thanks well let's let's do it let's round let's wrap it up with a little what 
have you been watching john you didn't even have to watch a movie this week so that's pretty great dave what you been watching oh um netflix i caught kimmy the new kimmy. steven soderbergh film yeah Oh, wow. He went, he had one that went straight to Netflix. I didn't know. That. I straight didn't, to I Netflix. Didn't know, I didn't know he had a film either. I remember hearing Wait, Steven Wait, is Soderberg's... it Netflix or HBO? I think it's Netflix. I've been on HBO every day. He had day, that and I laundromat one last year or two years ago. Yeah, Street, but Mero, basically, yeah. basically yeah. this is a, uh, she's an, an analyst for a, a new, um, like Alexa device. It's called Kimmy. And they analyze this when it misinterprets something and like flag it as an error. And that's how the AI improves. And uh, she hears what she thinks is a murder mm. on the recording. And then she's also uh, and like an agoraphobe, so she can't leave the house uh, because she, she was an agoraphobe before and then she was starting to get better and then COVID hit. And it's, it's really, really clever. This thing just weaves COVID in there. Like it's present, but it's not a, a driving part of the story. Like you see little shots of like the bowl of masks next to the door and stuff like that. The, like you'll see aspects of almost anyone who's like well we all went through the pandemic like you'll see aspects of yourself in her character I, f- I feel like this was a really good a good watch again it's not it's slow and then it's not just hmm, like it takes its time it getting there but when it Kimmy. when it hits yeah you know what doesn't and it's uh zoe kravitz as the lead nice. oh okay I, seen this. I saw this poster yeah, there, yeah with the with the blue hair yeah after, sure. and i'll tell you what anyone who has any problems with her casting as catwoman after seeing this movie you can go fuck yourself like she nails um, the performance in this. You know what Catwoman. doesn't talk. You know what doesn't talk about COVID is any other show or movie ever. Like, are they going to just avoid? Like, if they're like, and then this character in 1921, and they're going to say, "No, nope, cut, it's cut from the story." <laughs> like, no TV yeah. show or movie wants to talk about it. <laughs> so Kimmy's the first. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh, John, what you been watching? Uh, I've been busy as fuck, but I did watch. Um... Some of that new uh, Murderville show, the on uh, Netflix with um, God damn it, what, hold on <laughs> uh, what is his name? You guys know him, Will Arnett. Did you oh, hear about nice. the show? Oh uh, yeah, where they have like a guest celebrity on that pretends to be uh, another like yeah, Nawari kind oh, of thing. Oh, that's right. And they, yeah, and they have to solve. They don't. They have to solve the murder, but they're not given a script. Yeah, and they're just yeah. they actually are themselves, <laughs> and they just come in yeah. and. He's in this like I'm a rough and I'm a detective and homicide and they just and like, they have play to improv the, and... they have to improv their way through the whole fucking episode. Yeah, Wait, is okay. that, I want to watch. I want to watch really that so bad. I'm so glad you reminded really, me of that. They really don't look at a script ahead of time. They have to I mean, guess. They basically do you have to believe guess. that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it would be say. really fun if they. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they don't go back for second takes. Right, but <laughs> yeah, it was okay. It was entertaining. Watch some of that. No, I've been watching Fresh Off the Boat, which is yeah. Pretty funny. I know of that one. And, uh, that's about it. How about you, Jeff? So I finished the book of Boba Fett. There was one more episode to come out after our episodes last week. <laughs> I can't believe you finished it after As you were well, very you upset. I, I saw I the Dave. The episode. I saw that Dave gave. I thought Dave gave Jeff his own episode called the Boba Fett rant <laughs> <laughs> on our on our feed. Great. Um, I it's. It was fine. The ending was fine. It was so fine, man. It was it was fucking fine. Yeah. It Again, was... he did he didn't even get the last scene in his own show. That's that's the first <laughs> thing I thought. I was like, why? Are...? And as soon as Baby Yoda tapped the windshield, and I was like, I bet you this is nothing. I bet you they're just gonna fly in circles. <laughs> literally, yeah. It's like okay, and literally, it's just Baby Yoda and Mandalorian joyriding through the Boba Fett storyline. Did Fett. it leave you with like a a very obvious season two hook? 
I honestly, they're gonna. I, I hope they take a year off. I hope they just give Do you think Man they Gun heard your season. rant and they're gonna no, hang think, it up yeah, on right. the wall? I, I think he's made, gonna yeah. turn up because we've got Ahsoka coming. We've got Obi Wan coming. I think he's gonna. He's definitely gonna turn up through the Ahsoka storyline. I think um, he's definitely I coming like, back. I feel like they're intertwined now. He'll be in the middle. I think he's story. definitely coming back because Disney made twenty-two billion dollars in the first quarter this year. <laughs> yeah, their subscriber base went through the roof. They had twelve million more subscribers over the past quarter. Are you? kidding me 22 billion dollars jeff your rant apparently doesn't mean anything because those people are making money they're making yeah, fucking yeah. money dude <laughs> oh. I, I mean you know what i liked Encanto. i liked luca so good for them what can i say <laughs> there you go i still it's need just, to see all of that but maybe not Boba you know Fett, what? but i need to see those movies like you know when you have a friend of yours that was like a really cool guy and then you find out they're like a dentist and you're like ah not what I expected, but at least they're really well off. I feel like that's what Boba Fett was. It's like, ah, oh, they really kind of fucked that character up, but it's great for business. <laughs> so yeah, the shareholders are very happy. Um, one day we're going to get young, hot, fucking gunslinging um, Boba Fett, and they're just going to ignore the prequels. Just ignore the prequels. <laughs> just please, please ignore the prequels and go back. We don't need Why anybody else. Why does that show the... even exist with Mandalorian <laughs> in the universe, though? I, don't, I didn't even know it existed until you talked about it last week. Um, why did, why stole the story? Is it stole that should have been the Bubba Fett show? In fact, a lot of people said that when it came out. Okay, like, we're not going to circle back on okay, this again. We can't I know. Do this. Okay, anyway, this is a mountain he can't get over. <laughs> they wanted to do it after he. After, they thought they wanted that shot of him climbing out of the pit because they talked about it in Parks of Recreation. I gotta hate that. Like I expected, way more of a battle there. Like that. That was That's so easy. That's the opening of the show. Actually, it, it actually out. opened. It actually opened. It didn't open with a battle, like Dave was suggesting. It opened with him as Jonah in Jonah's Ark. No, no, yeah, right? Where he's in the whale? Is that yeah, the whale? Dude. It opened with him where he's basically like, I'm in the whale, but I have to cut my way out, but I'm too old now. It's like Shut how the fuck fed. up. Like, Are you serious? <laughs> What's the name I mean, of that it, thing, Dave? What's the name of that beast? The Sarlacc? The Sarlacc? The Sarlacc, yeah. Yeah, the, this ominous beast where you'll like die over a thousand years as you're slowly digested. I mean, no, you'll die of old age, but still, like, I have a thousand years. It gives him a long time to try to cut your way out of a Sarlacc. I, well, I, that's the thing. I really thought when I saw Jedi, like, I thought when I saw Jedi, when they went down there, they're dead. But instead, they have time to reflect and get into the. All right, we have gotten way off track here. Like, <laughs> um, film fans, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our talk about Nightmare <laughs> Alley. And um, if you like this movie, Guillermo del Toro produced a film that we talked about last week. Well, he produced Antlers, which we saw came out in 2021. But we talked about it last week. Um, give it up to Guillermo. He's a good guy. Guillermo. And if you like Jeff's rant, you might want to consider purchasing his spoken word album. <laughs> if you want to produce, that would be great. Um, just ask your family and friends for money. And Where it's like, day one. I, I, I hate every fucking thing that's on television. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only show I was watching. <laughs> I'm sure there's other things. Um, see you guys next week. See you.